Uh, so my name's Tom. I'm one of the elders here, not to be confused with Elder Lee. And what I'm going to ask you to do right now, folks, is think back to your last few months of your senior year in high school. Now, for some of you, you've got to think forward. For some of our young adults, you just have to go back a little bit. And for some of you, you've got to go way back. <laughs> but nonetheless, think about those last few months. And do you remember hearing at least what was for me this agonizing question so what are you gonna do so where are you gonna go so what are your plans now maybe you're one of those kids in high school you had your life mapped out and you knew what you were going to do but for me this was a paralyzing question because I had no idea I really really dislike school which is ironic concerning what I eventually became. <laughs> I had no uh, skills to speak of. Anyone who's seen me with a power tool can vouch for that. Uh, and so maybe you can relate to that, you know, just being in a real quandary, wondering, what, what am I here for? What, what were we made for? So that's high school. Let's extend it even bigger into a life question. What is it that we were made to do? Why are we here? Well... The world has a clear answer for this question. We exist for one singular purpose, and that is to have the most comfortable life as possible. That should be our one and only endless pursuit, our comfort. But God has a much better answer. He has so much more for us than the shallow pursuit of comfort. So, what should our goal in life be? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9a, it tells us, so we make it our goal to please him. This was the first verse I learned when I went out to biblical counseling in Lafayette, Indiana. So it, it, there it is, plain and simple. We make it our goal to please him. So with that thought in mind, I've entitled today's message, Get Out of Your Comfort Box. Get out of your comfort box. Now, the pursuit of being comfortable, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, is as old as time. In and of itself, folks, there's nothing wrong with some creature comforts in your life. But it's when they become an idol that there's a problem. And how do we define idol? Anything we desire more than God. So what convicted me that this topic might be worthwhile for myself and perhaps others is a devotion I had several months ago that convicted me about some comfortable areas in my life. And then I read an article in a magazine called The Gospel Coalition that also um, convicted me. And then I was here at Wednesday night for a men's study, and they put in a DVD, and what did he preach on? Being comfortable. And then yesterday morning, Stand Firm was on being comfortable. And so perhaps has God, I know he has a word for me, I hope he has a word for you today as well. So there are plenty of examples where, in the Bible where people sought comfort more than God. When God's chosen people were in bondage in Egypt and under slavery and under brutality and they cried out to him, he sent the ten plagues to convince Pharaoh to change his mind. He parted the Red Sea to save them. But... 
as soon as their stomach started grumbling, when they got to the other side of the Red Sea, they started complaining to God's chosen leader, Moses. In Exodus 16.3, they said, The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They were uncomfortable and started complaining right away. You see, they'd rather be slaves again and have something in their stomachs than be uncomfortable and trust God to provide. So they complained. The Jewish people would repeat this quest for comfort years later when because of their disobedience, God had them exiled to Babylon. And after 70 years, through some divine interventions from the Lord, he talked to the Persian king Cyrus and said, allow them to go back. And he said, all of you, everyone who wants to can go back. And you know what most of them said? Nah, we're good. We're good. I mean, it's not our chosen land. It's not the land the Lord set aside for us. But we have some food here, and and we're kind of comfortable. And besides, that's a long walk back to Israel. Paul tells new believers in the book of Romans that you have to live for God, not the comforts of this world. Quit trying to fit in. Quit trying to be comfortable. Let's look at Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In fact, Scripture has many examples where pleasing God requires taking risks, making sacrifices, being uncomfortable. For instance, he tells us in Matthew that we have to deny ourselves. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That sounds uncomfortable. He told us we also had to be uncomfortable to the point of being subject to persecution. Let's look at 2 Timothy. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So hopefully you're starting to get the picture that being uncomfortable for Christ means you have to persevere through life. You have to persevere through trials. We had a speaker the, uh, Wednesday night at the men's class, and he said, difficult pain grows us from the outside while selfish comfort kills us from the inside. Living uncomfortably for Christ also means that he means more to you than any of your possessions. Let's look at Luke 14, 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So after all, just how uncomfortably did Jesus live for us? Let's look at Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners Christ died for us. So, being uncomfortable for Christ means getting out of your comfort box, your happy place. Now, not all comfort boxes are negative. I've seen the one in children's hospitals where they make little comfort boxes and they decorate the outside and they put favorite mementos inside and it provides those kids you know, some peace and comfort through traumatic times. 
I also understand that some luxury cars have comfort boxes in their trunks that open from the bottom and the sides and the top. I drive a 14-year-old Hyundai Accent, so I don't have a comfort box. But with the comfort boxes we're talking about today, they put you in bondage to sin, in bondage to sin. And these comfort boxes prevent you from living fully for him. So bear with me. I did work in an elementary school, so let me share it another way. The first comfort box we're going to talk about today is the comfort box of unbelief. The comfort box of unbelief. Let's talk about this box for just a little bit. This box is huge. We are born into this box because of Adam and Eve's sin and because of our sinful nature. We are born into this. Everyone say a prayer. Tom doesn't fall. Get my size 13s in there. Very good. All right. So it's a tall box. It's a big box. You can't get out of this on your own. It is weighted down with heavy chains of bondage. We think we're comfortable in here. In this box, there is no God. We're God. In this box, we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. All our money is ours. The only relationships we pursue are the ones that are going to benefit us. We'll say whatever we want to come out of our mouth as long as it glorifies us because this box is all about us. That's the features of this box. Now, the second one there says, why why are we in this box? Why aren't people getting out of this box? Well, some are just unaware. They've never heard the gospel. You'll hear the gospel before you leave here today. Because, sadly, while all of the, everybody in this room was born in this box, there may still be people here, and I suspect there are, who are still in this box. Another reason people decide to remain in this box is because they're apathetic. They don't care about hearing about God. They think that they're happy in here doing what they want, when they want, how they want. And guess what? For a while, it is fun. Sin is fun for a season. But you know in your heart of hearts that you wake up at night and you think to yourself, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Other people who are stuck in this box have fallen into the trap of religion. Do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. Be this, don't be that. Man-made rules. Religion. When you ask people who are in this box, how do you get to heaven, you get a whole gamut of answers. You have some who say that it doesn't really matter. You see, there's, there's so many paths up the mountain, and the view from the top is still the same. So whatever works for you, a higher being, a man upstairs, that's all that matters. There's also people in this box who believe that the only way you get to heaven is by doing good deeds. Be good, be good, be good, be good, be good. And at the end of your life, it's a huge scale. And you hope the good outweighs the bad, but you never know for sure. That's an exhausting way to live. Trust me. And then there's another group of people in here. And that is the group of people who have come to the end of their unbelief. And that is the group of people who get up on their toes and they look outside and they go, there has got to be another way. 
there's got to be more to this rat race. There's got to be more to this life than being in the same sinful rut over and over again. And I suspect many of you, including myself, have been there. They're seekers. They want to learn about a relationship. The last feature of this box is the only way you get out of this box is if God lifts this box. You can't get out of here yourself. So how do we get out of this box? How, how do we access God to get out of this box? Well, you have to know the gospel. You have to know the gospel. Now, there's only one gospel, but there's different ways to explain the gospel. Stacy, can you go to the next slide, please? This is my favorite way to explain the gospel. And if you've never heard it before, please listen for the next couple minutes. And if you have this, then listen, and maybe you can share this with somebody. This one just clicked with me. It doesn't mean it's the way. It's just a way. See, I was, I was really caught up in religion, and then somebody told me about a relationship. So four simple sentences here. The first one, you were created to have a relationship with Jesus. That's why he made you. Remember my very first question, why are we here? You were here to worship God. Colossians 1.16, we were made by him, through him, and for him. Every morning his arms are wide open saying, come on, come, let's have relationship. Number two, you can't have that relationship because of what you have done. Every one of you, including myself, is a sinner. There's a verse in Romans 3.23, for all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every preacher, every priest, every rabbi, every pastor, every parent, every man, woman, and child is a sinner. And if that was the end of the story, what a lousy life this would be. This is it. This is our life. If that's where that slide ended, this is our life. But praise God. <laughs> the third one there says, we can have that relationship because of what who? Because of what he has done. God knew we could never be good enough or holy enough to put that scale in the right order. We could never be good enough or holy enough to be in His presence. And so God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for every person in this room. That same verse, uh, there's a verse that says, for the wages of sin is death, but then it has a comma and dance two words. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He suffered his son on the cross to create a bridge so that you can get to heaven. And lastly, it's a relationship only you can choose. This was huge. This took me a long time. Your religion cannot save you. Your dad being a preacher, your mom being a Sunday school teacher, your, your, your family being really, really, really good people, that won't save you. That won't save you. You have to make the decision. You have to make the decision for Christ. What does that look like? What does that sound like? Well, there's no magic words. It's just somebody who's come to the very end, and it might sound something like this. Dear God, i, I got to get out of here. I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive my sins. I know that you died on the cross for me, and I want you to come in my heart and be my personal Savior and Lord. A simple prayer like that opens up the gate for heavens. My two helpers, could you come up, please? So when someone says a prayer like that, and they come to the end of themselves, and they ask God to come into their heart, and they ask God to please 
be their personal Lord and Savior. This happens. And you step out, and you are a free person. And you are a free person. Thank you, man. And for a while, you're soaring with the eagles. And life is good. And it is good. It's not good. It's great. And things are going well. But then, you allow life to beat you down a little bit. Notice I didn't say life beats you down. That's defeatist, like we have no choice. You allow life to beat you down. And so I'd like to share with you one more box that I found myself found yourself in. The comfort box of fear and preferences. The comfort box of fear and preferences. This box isn't as high. And this box, you're not born into this box. We choose to get in this box. And we make excuses and we talk about things, but of our own volition, we start making cho choices, and usually it's a very slow fade. So, we step into our comfort box of fears and preferences, and, you know, it's so comfortable, we even have a seat inside. Because, you know, we justify us being here. So, I'm going to share with you some areas of your life where you may have become, like me, a little bit too comfortable. And it caused you to end up in this box. So, let's talk about some areas of your life. Let's look at prayer. Stacy, can you put the next video up? Uh, excuse me, slide. So, we know that 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. And man, that makes sense. Yes, he's the author of salvation. We sang that in one of our lyrics today. So we should pray continuously. Can we show, look, at the, look at the next slide, please? And then it comes to the issue of guarding our eyes. And God's word tells us the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Yes, Lord, thank you for your word. I should guard what I look at. And then the last area I'll talk about right now is money. And Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Those are great. Those are awesome. So what happens? So what happens? We get comfortable. What happens to our prayer life? We start to let our time with God slowly decline. And this box didn't come with any chains. We had them ourselves. And they're not as big, and they're not as heavy. But instead of spending time every morning with God, we fear that that's going to interfere with our day, and we'd really prefer to get some more sleep. Or we think it's hard to get a prayer life, and, and our time declines, and we put a little bit of weight on ourselves. With, with our eyes, we know we shouldn't be looking at graphic material, which would not glorify God. We know we shouldn't be looking at that. But we take one look, and we don't bounce our eyes away. And we look a second time and a third time, both male and female. It doesn't matter. It's an issue that affects all of us. And we start to swim in our impure thoughts. 
except we're not really swimming, are we? We're drowning in them. We're drowning in them. And then lastly, money. You know, there's a song called I Surrender All. Although lots of us will surrender everything to Christ except our purse and our wallet. All right? I surrender some. And we don't give God our full tithe. And we hold back from offerings. And we want to spend it on what we want. And these things start to weigh us down. But we still have our stool. So it's okay. We can deal with this. We're comfortable. Let's look at three more areas of our lives. God's word tells us that in relationships, do to others as you would have them do to you. Yes, yes, Lord, thank you. I need to treat other people with love and respect. A next area we'll look at is giving 100%, whether you're a student, whether you're a single person, whether you're a worker, whether you're retired, whether you're a grandparent, giving 100%. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And then finally, half-truths. What comes out of your mouth? Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So what happens when we get too comfortable? Let's look. When it comes to regard of relationships, oh man, they are hard. People are messy. People are sticky. People can be a pain. And so I'd just rather avoid all conflict. And I'd rather not go to church a lot because i got to deal with things and, I, and they don't always play the music I like and I don't always like the speaker and I don't like so-and-so and this and that. You, you, you slowly don't become an example to those you work with or those you go to school with. I mean, really, if, if we came, I don't know who we would be, but if we came to school or your work and asked your coworkers how Christ has made a difference in your life, what would they say? Wouldn't it be damning if they said, what are you talking about? Or we have no personal growth. Everyone in this room who claims to be a, a growing believer, how are you different now than you were two years ago? Have you grown in any area of your life? Relationships are hard, so we avoid it. With regards to giving 100%, oh man, I don't want to listen to my teacher. I don't want to listen to my parents. I don't want to listen to my boss who I don't like. And I'm going to do just enough to get by. And you know what happens when you do that? You look just like everyone else. Because that's what the unsaved world does. Just enough to get by. And then finally, with half-truths and lies, not saying anything to put yourself in a better light to others around you, we don't let our yes be yes and our no be no. We... Blah, 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 blah. And we gossip and talk and give our opinion whether people want to hear it or not. Some final areas to look at in our lives. With regards to, who knows what STG means? Sharing the gospel. Thank you, thank you. Now, I won't read this whole one, but Pastor John gave an excellent mini-sermon on just this verse last Sunday. We are called, how in the world, would, if you know how to get out of there, how to point somebody to get out of that box, why in the world would you not share that with somebody? Especially somebody you claim to love. How could you not? And I'm talking to myself too. How could you not? Another area we need to look at is taking care of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So yes, Lord, thank you. That makes, I need to take care of this vessel. And then lastly, do you allow any person or circumstance to rob you of your joy? Are you a warrior? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's word telling us how to live, telling us how to live uncomfortably. What happens when we get comfortable? Let's look. When it comes to sharing the gospel, we give in to the fear of persecution? No. We give in to the fear of being excommunicated? No. We give in to the fear of awkwardness. How lame does that sound? And I'm guilty too. It's awkward to share with this person who I've known all these years and I claim I love, but it's awkward to bring it up in a conversation. And we give in to the fear of awkwardness. In caring for our bodies, there's too much good food. <laughs> there's too many fun things to do. And so we just give up. Or we make comparisons. Now, I'm not talking about comparing ourselves to Joe Muscle or Barbie Beautiful. We know that's unrealistic. But we look at people in worse shape than us. And we say, well, God, <laughs> at least we're not like them. At least we're not like them. You know what the biggest health scare, growing health concerns of this world is? Well, excuse me, of the United States is? Obesity. Overweight and obesity. We need to take care of this vessel and step away from the table when I'm talking to no one in particular, more so myself. And then finally, we get to worry, and we just embrace it. We just, I think I missed a chain, but you get the point. Um, we, 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 we're proud to be a worry wart. We're proud to have a high anxiety. We almost boast about it with our friends, and we become comfortable. Okay, so let's talk of something a little bit more positive. Why do we want to get out of these comfort boxes? Well, we definitely want to get out of that one so we can have salvation. But why do we want to get out of this comfort box? We want to do it, folks, not because it's a checklist. Pastor John talked about that last week. We're not doing a checklist to please God. We want to get out of this box and live uncomfortably out of a grateful heart for Him and all that He's done for us. So, let me quickly share some things that will not get you out of this box. You know what won't get you out of this box? Trying harder, doing it alone, shame, guilt, or setting big, unattainable goals. I'm going to read the whole Bible the month of March. How do you get out of this box? How do you get rid of these chains? At this point, you might want to grab your outline if you have one. On your outline, it has your first question is, how do you get out of that box? Well, guess what? I left it blank because you need to answer that. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And whether you want to call that saved or born again or redeemed or whatever you want to call it, only you know the answer and how you can get that answer. Moving on to the next question, there's some questions about how do you get out of this box? How do you get out of this box? Well, the first thing you need to do is realize that you cannot do it on your own, and it will be uncomfortable. You cannot get out of this box on your own. You're going to need the help of brothers and sisters, but more than anything, you're going to need the help of the Lord. 
That's why one of the songs we sang today was, Lord, I need you. Right? Do you remember that? Sing it with me. Lord, I need you. Oh, every hour. Sing it like you mean it. My one defense. My righteousness. Oh, God. If you are too comfortable and you want to start getting rid of these things, then pray to God. He will take care of you. Admit that you need him. And he'll take this weight off. The second one says prayer. Prayer. And sometimes it needs to be specific prayer. Dear God, I've become too comfortable in what I'm watching. The, the, the little dancing male or female pops up on my screen and I look again and again and again. And then I'm surfing on my phone. And the next thing you know, I'm fantasizing. Pray to God specifically. Or dear God, I've become too careful, too comfortable in my parenting. It's hard being mom and dad all the time. It's hard saying no. So I'll just let them do what they want. Pray specifically to God and he'll hear your cries. Number three. Scripture memorization. Scripture memorization. Folks, Philippians 4.8 changed my life. Philippians 4.8 changed my life. I wrote it on a 3 by 5 card. This is about the third one because the other two were torn to shreds. And I taped it on my mirror at home. I put it by my toothbrush. And this just happens to be the verse that I memorized because I have a very creative, uh, uh, fanciful, off-target mind. And I was thinking about a lot of things, whether it was impure things or, or revenge things or whatever, and I would just obsess about them over and over. And then I memorized this verse. And so when I'm driving down the road now and this verse comes, I go, and finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about what? These things. And whatever it was I was thinking about, by the time I get through that verse, it is gone. Now, it may come back in a few minutes, and then I just say the verse again. I'm pleading with you. God's word gets right to the heart of the matter. You don't, it doesn't have to be Philippians 5.8, but you find the verse that works for you, and you go old school, and you put it on a card, and you put it in the bathroom or you put it on your driver's seat, or you put it in your assignment book for school, and you memorize that. And when Satan tries to get you off target and tries to get you too comfortable, you say that verse, and God will rescue you. God's Word, powerful. And then lastly, number four, um, daily baby steps. Daily baby steps. Small victories, guys. You know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to grab one of those men stand firm or the journal magazines or an open, what's called, open windows, daily bread, and I'm going to at least spend two minutes with God in the morning. And that's how you start. And maybe you miss a couple days. Okay, I'm going I'm to at least try again one more and take baby steps. That's how you get out of being comfortable. Finally today, we're going to look at the benefits of getting out of your comfort box. The benefits of getting out of your comfort box. Number one, <laughs> salvation. Salvation. 
You know, uh, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, when it says, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. saved. You will be saved. Now, when, that, when you say that, that, that's not just heaven when you die. He starts helping you right here and now. He helps you through this crazy world. Doesn't mean he takes away all your ills and illnesses and, and trials, but he starts helping you now. And he gives you that peace that passes all understanding. Number two, number two, we, the benefit of getting out of your comfort box is living the abundant life. Next to Philippians uh, 4.8, this is my life verse. The thief, being Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or more abundantly. I want the abundant life. I want the abundant life. I used to work with a principal, and his whole goal in life was, oh my, another day to endure. This too shall pass. I called him Eeyore behind his back. I guess that wasn't a Christian thing to do, but um, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to endure every day. I want to embrace every day. And after being pretty sick some time ago, that's not an issue. I want to embrace every single day, and I want to live uncomfortably for Christ. Next one is to please Him. We talked about this, 2 Corinthians 5, 9a. Make it our goal to please Him. Why are we getting out of our comfort box? Out of a grateful heart and to please Him. And then lastly, He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It says in Hebrews eleven six. And what does He reward us with? Form, uh, fame, fortune, Everything that goes with it? No. No. You know what he rewards us with? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Things that are, can't be measured by any money. So, as we conclude here, I urge all of you, if you're here, you desperately need to get out. Your life depends on it. If you're here, you have some steps now, and you need to get out of there. If you're caught in a rut, you need to get out. Pastor John told us a couple weeks ago that the true Christian is continually growing to be more like Jesus and trusting him even if we can't always see where he is taking us. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. You can't pursue comfort and walk by faith. Always being comfortable eliminates our need for faith. Let me say that sentence one more time. Always being comfortable eliminates our need for faith. So, does being uncomfortable sound tiring? It does. It does, and it can be. But as one of the guys said at our last Wednesday night Bible study, and he said, the more you move closer to God, the more energy you have. And this is from a guy who has multiple kids and multiple jobs. And he said, the more you move closer to God, the more energy you have. But you can't move closer to God if you're stuck in a box, being selfish and being comfortable. God has so much more for you to do. Amen? Worship team, would you come up, please? And while they're coming up, I'd like to ask those of you, who are here, to think about if you're in this box, today could be the day you get out of that box. 
you could come up here and we could pray with you, or you could do it from your seat. Or you could do it when you get home. Or if you just have questions, you could come up and talk to us. But you desperately need to get out of here. If you're here today and the Lord has convicted you that maybe you are looking at things you shouldn't, or your parenting isn't what it should be, or your giving isn't what it should be, or your relationships aren't what they should be, and that you've gotten in a rut, a comfortable rut, today is the day you can get out of that rut by rededicating yourself to Christ.